Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the REI Dad podcast. Really excited today uh, for today's guest. Um, he's a real estate investor out of Calgary. He's also uh, one of the founders and admins for the Ed Alberta Landlord Group, um, .ca. Mackenzie Wilson, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Wayne. Thank you for having me here. Um, you know, let's, as always, you know, let's start off with a little bit of an introduction from you. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, first, I'm just stoked to be here. I, I really love the, the, you know, the way your show is going, the focus on, on being a dad and doing the real estate, buying, real estate uh, investment side of the business. It's really appealed to me because I'm a father of two boys. And part of why I got into real estate is uh, when my first son was coming around and my wife was still pregnant, I was like, I got to start thinking about the future. And, you know, reached that poor dad and here I became in, in, into real estate. So Literally more, every real estate investor has the exact same story. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, that's totally it. And so, um, yeah, born and raised from Calgary. Um, I got my beautiful wife, Kayla. I've got a boy, uh, two boys, Bones four. And then my youngest, Jack, just turned one in July. So it's uh, in the thick of things and it's a lot of fun every day. So um, I've got about six doors in Calgary, up, down, suited um, home is, is my focus. I really like that side because it's a easy entry, easy exit. Um, you get in the multi side of family, you know, the acquisition time can be up to six, six months or more. So mm -hmm. I, I like the quick in and out um, as well. And it's an easier, easier sell, good exit strategy on, on my side. Yeah. It's a very popular uh, investing strategy in Alberta and actually across Canada, right? Yeah, totally. So, so that's been the fit. I've legalized a few of my suites. I'm, I'm, I'm done one of three so far. Um, other than that, I, you know, I have a, I, I love these conversations. I have a passion of learning. I love talking to other investors. Um, so then shortly after I joined rain and I think I'd say 2017, I'm trying to remember now we're talking earlier before the show. Uh, that was awesome. Met a lot of great folks. And, um, at that time as well, I went into business with, um, two other gentlemen, uh, Brad Price and Phil Wong. They're over at Commonwealth uh, home ownership. Great guys. Awesome. They're going to be very successful. We found uh, probably about a year, and that I was we weren't a good fit for each other. Which is, you know, you you live and learn, you try things, and uh, I, I moved on. And um, this spring, I got uh, involved with a gentleman named Chris Noble. Uh, he was running the Alberta Landlord, Alberta. Oh, how's it go now? Alberta Rental Properties, or Alberta Landlords and Rental Property Owners, yeah. and and that's where I've been most busy right now. It's it's been a good fix. It's a focus on um, the community first approach. We have over. 1600 members i think we're nearing 1700 now um we got people that have just have just got their feet wet they're an accidental landlord don't know what's going on to a couple of our members have over 100 doors so we have a, a cool mix of experience and every day i log in that group i'm always learning something new there's just it's a, it's a cool place where conversations are happening right now to help people get through the business because and as you can understand wayne this is probably one of the most challenging businesses out there you need high capital amount to get in the business it's a little bit of a risk to gotta manage the money appropriately. And then you're managing people who are calling the place home that you're providing. Yeah. So not only are they going to be a little particular because it's where they live, um, but you're managing that relationship. So you've got the human element and um, the cost element of this business. And it's just a, simply a challenging business, but it's also really rewarding when you do it right. And you see people are happy with where they can call a place home. Yeah, for sure. Good practice, obviously. Um, you know, good systems are, are going to help you be a lot more successful with that. Um, yeah. Because yeah, you're right. There is a ton of risk, and uh, I, I tell you, it's it's hard. It's re it's really hard. <laughs> it's uh, really hard. 
I can um, really, yeah, I like to add that. Like, I, I've had tons of times where I've wanted to throw in the towel where I just like, oh, like I just, I'm, I'm done. You know, I mean, it could be a long day of, of parenting and you got to come back and put something together. You got to get a, a rent going. You got to answer some calls. You got to fill a vacancy. You got to do all some tenant complaints, some damages, some repairs, whatever it might be. It's, it's not always easy, but I mean, I've, I've, found my saving grace is being able to focus on you know i look at this is for my family i can see the the mortgage pay down happening and, and i can when i focus that thought process around there it makes it easier to, to handle the bumps in the road because they, they will be there for sure so my opinion of the reason why it's so difficult is i think it's because the tenants lack of education like I, I remember being a tenant, I never read the Residential Tenancy Act. And why? What? Like I'm 18, 19 years old. I'm not going to yeah. go read that giant thing. And yeah. to be honest, I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know what the RTDRS was, right? So because of that, the tenants, they simply just don't know what they're responsible for or what their landlord's responsible for. And I've said this a bunch of times, most landlords, I'd say a large percentage, at least 70, 80% of landlords are amateurs. They've never taken a real estate investing course. They've never taken a landlord course. So you've got the, you got both parties don't understand what the rules are, what they're responsible for. It's just a, it's a disaster. So when I, when I get a new tenant and you think you're doing everything right for them and they say, mm -hmm. well, no, 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 that's not the way you do it. I'm going to leave. I only have to give 30 days or, or whatever they come up with because the sure. previous landlord said this. And you're trying to do right. You're trying to follow the rules. You're trying to treat them well, but they just don't know that, you know, you are. So that's why when, when I first saw the Alberta landlord and rental property well, owners we'll group. Alberta landlord group. We're, we're, we're going to rename that. Well, we'll keep the name the same because people are finding us right now, which, which is important, but we just want to be known as the Alberta landlord group. And, yes. and yeah, we'll leave it. Okay. There. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Um, I, I was super excited. I, I got to be honest. I was super excited because up until this point, um, there hasn't really been any resources or a place for landlords to go to get accurate information. Most pages that they frequent are the rental listing pages, the bad tenant pages, you know, the bad landlord pages. And they'll ask generic questions like, what do I do about this? Or can I do this? And then yeah. you've seen it, all the comments below. I think this, or I'm no expert, but this, and then they take yeah. that advice. And yeah, go, oh. even in our group too, we, we still struggled a little bit. Um, we, we, we just try to say, hey, if, if you guys don't know the answer, that's fine. Just be clear on that and say, this, this is totally a guess or whatever else. But we want to really be providing people with facts because, you know, it, it's, it's the misguided information that will get people in trouble. And, and financially, that could be a big mistake in this business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm, super appreciative of what you guys are doing because this is the first step. The first step is to educate the landlords. The next step is, is for someone to step up and to, to educate tenants, which is going to be a big uphill battle, <laughs> right? It, but yeah. it just needs to be more common knowledge as to what the rules are. And, you know, there are great resources like the landlord and tenant advisory board that you can call, but um, you know, I find that sometimes when people call, they, they don't give all the information, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, th I think the value too, like, and you're kind of getting me thinking here, Wayne, is the value of the group too is, is you've got people in the same position um, from a landlord perspective helping each other. And, mm -hmm. and, and you know, they understand, you know, I don't want to call it the risk at play, but, but what a landlord has to deal with, right? I mean, we've got large amounts of capital at stake and, and, you know, 
a one one poor decision if you let the wrong person in or the way you handle a situation can cost you thousands of dollars right so mm-hmm. um yeah it, it it's definitely a, a conversation needs to be had it, it yeah it's good it <laughs> trying to think of a way to add this, but yeah, it, it's going in a good direction. We're we're quite happy and uh, seeing what you know, being able to get in partner with with Chris and stuff. It's just, um, yeah, it's something that's sorely needed on the marketplace. If I had this when I first got in, uh, it would have been so much easier as well. And like I said, I, even with my experience, I'm, I'm by no means am I been in the industry for for you know tens of years or anything like that, but there's just there's so much to learn there's so many nuances to the business that you might shift one thing to make the entire job a lot easier that one little task Mm -hmm. again my opinion i think it's super simple i think as long as people read the residential tenancies act and you just follow it everything would be fine yeah it is pretty simple like there's rules totally and you go back to educating tenants I, i just I would have never done that as a tenant as well. I've rented a few times too um, mm-hmm. in my in my younger years. And uh, what would what would be the motivation? You go up, you meet with the landlord, you view the property, it looks right. You go say, yeah, I want a lease. It gives you the lease. You do a bit of an exchange, and ideally on possession day or before you do your your moving inspection, a few yeah. other things, and then you're in, and and that's it. And you just pay your rent on time and continue on, right? But there's um. And there's also a lot of folks that are forced to be landlords because of circumstance. And I think about this too, is we're in Alberta, we're probably one of the most roller coaster style economies out there, of ups and downs. So there's probably even more so of an influx of people coming in, becoming a landlord because of external factors. You know, maybe they didn't position themselves strongly financially. And now they have to rent out a property because it's underwater or they can't sell it. To, to move on to the next property. So now they're forced to be a landlord. They have no desire to be a landlord and they're trying to figure out the game. Yeah. So what tips do you give for the for the amateur landlord or the accidental landlord who just kind of mm. fell into that? What, what, what tips do we give? I'm trying to think of the most commonly asked questions. So we get asked questions about pet fees. We get questions asked about um, just generally, do, like, how do you bring someone on board? How do you onboard a tenant? You know, and some of the stuff seems simple when we discuss it, but when you're in the moment, it can be it can be easily missed. So, if you're trying to work with someone, you're trying to be a bit of a people's pleaser. You want to make sure you still get your your first month's rent and damage deposit collected up front before you give the keys over to the person. And that doesn't mean a check on the day of possession. That means that money is actually inside your account. Um, if they're, uh, what else can I try to add on to that? Um, you know, pet, pet fees, for example. Right now, we're we're kind of no, I'm going to actually ask this question to you. Are you guys up in Edmonton? Are you guys finding that rental rates are kind of moving up right now? Is there, are, what's, the, what's the feedback on your listings right now on any vacancies that you've dealt with this summer? We had a ton of vacancies at the beginning of the summer. Um, rental rates have been about average. Um, we actually increased on a couple. Um, and that was just because we were trying it out. We were just kind of testing the market and we got a lot of good bites. We had good products too. So um, good properties um, that were showing really well. So we were okay with that, but we did really well and, and nothing really dropped. Our long-term tenants, you know, typically we'll, we'll offer a little bit of discount or we'll keep the rent the same or lower it um, just to keep them in. Cause it's cheaper to have them stay than it is to have a month or two of vacancy. Yeah. So I'd say our long-term tenants are a little bit down, but that's totally fine with us. Our new tenants who just came in this year, yeah, all the all the rents were 
actually a little higher than we expected. Yeah, I was just going to say when um, I've dealt, I've got one vacancy I'm looking at now, and I did one earlier this summer, and the feedback I got was 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 a lot. I was actually quite surprised. I kind of figured with with COVID and, and you know the the government grants that were going on out there and everything else, but I think what's happened is that you know again being in Alberta here, we've we, we're dealt with repeated blows in the industry when people are, are trying to make the best rate. So we went from a, a very soft oil patch. And COVID came into play this year, and it was kind of a double whammy. And I think a lot of people got out of owning properties and now are renters. I just, whatever it is, but the demand from, from down, down here in Calgary has gone up. We've, I've had, um, I had people paying for, for credit scores to get into my properties this year. That's the first really? thing I tried out. Yeah, yeah. So I offloaded that cost to, uh, on, on that one view, and I had people pay and do that. And then I raised rents on that vacancy. Uh, 160 bucks. So I was pretty happy about that. I was probably a little under before going into COVID, but it, there's there's been that demand right now. And I think also as well is um, I I have like 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 you um, when have good products. Uh, I've taken the time to start getting them legalized and and all that kind of stuff. It, it makes a bit of an easier position to, to sell. Do you think that an accidental landlord could eventually turn into a sophisticated real estate investor? Do you think that, like what steps does, does an accidental landlord who's got maybe a neg negative cash flow property, what steps do they take over the next couple of years to ensure that they don't stay an accidental or amateur landlord forever? Yeah, so, you know, finding a support group, right? Finding that education and, and knowledge. So that's, that's you know, where our groups come, um, has seen that a really good place right now in the, in the marketplace is we're, we're, we're talking about the landlord inside the business. And it, it's kind of funny. Uh, and when I, I've, I've, I've had a few of these conversations with Fosco, there's a ton of investment pages out there, right? There's, there's, there's rain, there's, there's a, in every city or town, there's probably one or two Facebook groups that talk about yeah. how to invest and all this, but no one wants to talk about landlord and landlord is like that ugly stepchild of the black sheep in the room. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's necessary for the business. You gotta, you gotta, you have to do it, but no one wants to be like, well, you just, you just landlord it, it you, yeah. know, you do it right. But it's such an, uh, uh, it's, it's what makes the properties profitable by managing them properly. You can, again, mm -hmm. do all the right investments up front, get your cash reserve into place. But if, if you're losing money every month, you're doing extra repairs because you didn't put the right tenants in place, or you're doing evictions and you're losing rent, all these things add up to damage the cash flow, which can chew away of a strong position that you've maybe started with. And for the, the ones that are actually in the landlords, man, just get education, get the comments, ask, ask questions to the group. You're gonna get, the cool thing with our group right now is that someone will post a question and within 12 hours, there's a half dozen replies, within a couple hours. Like there's, there's a really good feedback right now. Um, there's a wealth of information out there. That information will give you confidence. You can make more clear decisions. And when you're able to make those decisions quickly and confidently, it just, it, it's a snowball effect on how you get control over that property. And then you might realize, hey, I can do this. Maybe I should look at getting a second property because all of a sudden now I've been at it for two years and I've just had ten dollars or $15,000 paid down in, in, in principal on my mortgage. I'm like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just about cash flow. There's also the mortgage pay down plus the, the hopefully – uh, the value of the property increases as well. That's where you get your profits, right? Yeah, that might be more of a long-term play here in Alberta, <laughs> but uh, it's certainly still a factor. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I kind of, 
I, I started investing in real estate in 2013 and we have not had increases in values <laughs> for the past seven years. So, and in fact, they've gone down quite a bit, but you're right. It is a long-term investment and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the value of your property staying at the exact same as what it is, you know, over time, because you still got all that mortgage pay down and you still got cash flow, which, which covers your risks and your maintenance, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and I mean, I mean, another, I guess a kind of tip here, someone's going to look that they're looking at getting their first property and maybe they can afford a, a 15 or a 20 year mortgage or a 25 year mortgage. And they're making that decision on how long to, to stretch out the amortization period. Um, cash flow is king. You want to be able to pay your bills on time. So you need to have cash flow to manage the business. So you want to lower all your monthly bills, stretch it out to the longest possible amortization you can get typically now i believe it's 30 maybe 35 there's a few exceptions but typically it's 30 years now and people go well i don't want to i don't want to spend all that much in interest well guess what there's top-up payments there's lump sum payments there's all these little things you can do if you're running that extra cash flow you can put back into the into the mortgage to drop it down that principal down a lot faster without taking that interest hit but when push comes to shove and all of a sudden you need an extra 300 bucks cash flow to make your property work you stop paying those extra those extra lump sum payments and you're still cash flowing or you're breaking even in a tough market. And now you're not pulling out of your own income to supplement the, the rental market or your rental property. And then on top of that, it's just, you sleep easier at night knowing you've got um, uh, some cash flow building up to tackle the next problem because um, you know the land has value and the land value doesn't go away, but um, all the assets, the buildings uh, depreciate and you're gonna have to do repairs at some point, it's a given. Yeah. You need to plan for that, right? And that's why you take away maintenance and repair uh, percentages from your rent. What do you do for maintenance and repairs? Uh, how much um, do so, you set aside? Good question. So it totally depends on the building. I, uh, I'm i in old buildings. My Even my, my primary house, the one I'm in right now where I live, I have a legal basis suit as well. Um, so this house and then Ogden and Bowness, uh, I am 19, late 1950s and a 1970. So it's, it was critical. And even I, what did I do? I put, I think I put it 8% away. Um, and even then I'm, I've done a bunch of additional repairs. I didn't foresee. I should have put more aside to be honest with you. Uh, in, in Ogden, I had a, a sewer that had a sewer backup um, last year. And that was a, a big plumbing bill. And they scoped out my, my line, line out to the city. But again, that was a 1960, 1958 house. And there's trees that are, you know, twice as tall as the houses in there. There's 60 year old trees in there. So I've had tree roots in the lions. Um, and then, yeah, just some, un, I didn't, un, I, I knew I had my, you know, I, I followed the, uh, what do you call it? Your, your, um, Home inspection, did all that stuff, looked at the property, um, covered most of my bases, but there's a few blind sides I missed. And I had a decent reserve fund built up. I'm now probably, I've used a little bit more than I would have liked to be where I'm at now. But, uh, oh, hey, Don, good seeing you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it, it's tough, right? Especially deal with the property. I mean, if anything, ha have more money. I mean, I would say in those properties, I should have had, I think I had around 8,000 for my reserve fund. I would have been much, I, I would have now, when I've done, when I've done for repairs, I would probably have done 15,000. Really? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, just um, that's my sleep at night comfort, right? Where I don't have to worry about things. 
um, not bad. I mean, help to have it legalized. No, I don't have that threat of getting shut down. Yeah. I mean, you, you guys up in Edmonton, you guys, I mean, kudos to you to what you guys have done so far at the city council. You guys are a dozen years ahead of us. You've, you're, you've standardized. There's, it's easy to get, uh, to get legalized. It's very clear on what the directions are in Calgary here. It was kind of a mess. We're, we're making up some ground now with, with the whole amnesty period and whatnot. It got extended to, no, this, I might be wrong. I want to say December 2021. I forget which day it was, but we can still um, get our suites legalized. And they've just added, um, back in uh, October last year, they announced and added uh, semi to dash properties. So you can take a duplex until a fourplex. Hmm. Wow. Um, we were talking, you touched on reserve funds as well. And we were talking about cash flow and, and covering maintenance. Um, mm. I'm both the same way. I normally like to see anywhere from six to 8,000 on most properties. And, and most people did try and do at least three to four months worth of um, rent coverage in their mm. reserve. And that way, you know, cause th- like you said, there's going to be things that are going to happen eventually. You're going to have to replace the flooring every six to seven years, right. With tenants. Um, ideally longer, but you know, carpet, laminate, that kind of stuff that gets scratched, it gets soiled. So you just gotta, you got to plan, you need to know, okay, well, flooring has this much life, uh, in it, uh, roof has this much life, furnace has this much life, hot water tank, you know, they all have lifespans. And if you plan it out properly, you know, you start with 8,000 and then you put away your four to 8% of your rent every month and it goes up and then it goes down a little bit, then it goes up. And then it goes yeah. down a little bit. But the key thing is that you always have it there. So you never have to pull out of your own pocket. And I see a lot of people are like, ah, I'm just going to spend all my cash flow. It's no big deal. And when something happens, I'll just pay for it. I already got the money. I've already spent it, right? I have one property. I have, I have reserves on all my properties. I have one property with a joint venture and the reserve is not good. And it's a break-even cash flow. And I dread every time I get an email from that tenant. It makes like, you nervous, right? You're always thinking yes. about it. And you're like, oh, do I have a conversation with my JV partner? Am I going to have to you know, pull some money, maybe have a line of credit or something to, to get this going? Like, it's, it's not comfortable running a property that way. And you know what? And, I, and granted, some people listening, or some people will be in there, right? Backs and landlords, they don't have a choice. They're like, okay, well, I'm already in this position. How do I make it better? And you know, start asking those questions, start looking at your numbers, shop around the insurances, you know, you know, insurance in Alberta, man, that's been an interesting thing. Um, do you know Shelly Visser? She's a pretty well-known investor down here in Calgary. Yeah, she. Who doesn't? Been, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I love Shelly. She's just, she's phenomenal. And we've had some conversations and she's dealt with two, I think she's got two properties getting hail damage repair right now. One for sure, maybe two. Anyway, so she was documenting going through that. And, and, and you know, when, when Calgary gets hit, man, we, we get hit hard. So it was a, it was a bunch <laughs> yeah, you of... Do. Yeah, it was a bunch of stuff. So she was sharing just the process and going through that. And then I started looking at my policy and I was, ins- I'm insured to the same outfit as she is. Uh, park insurance for anyone who might know who they are out there. And yeah. I have the same deductible and, and she discovered she had a, I can't remember now if it was a 2500 or $5,000 deductible for hail damage. $5,000. She might have seven or $8,000 in damage, but she's got to pay 5000 up front. And you're just like, and I looked at my reserves, and if I had to, if I had two properties that took that at once, I I could probably I'd, I'd get through, but then I would be like I'd be exposed, and I just realized I had this blind side I didn't even know about until Shelly shared that conversation. So think good things to know. I mean, shop around, right? Because uh, I just got when I moved back in this property, I had to remove the the park insurance because it's it's for rentals only. You can't be can't be a primary residence, and 
I had a difference of 2200 down to 1488. Wow. I couldn't believe, yeah, yeah. I mean, granted, I'm using primary assurance again, right? So they're, they're not quite apples to apples comparison, but that's still, what is that, um, 1488, 600, that's $700 to $800 difference. Like, that's crazy on do insurance. You, do you want to say who it is for the, yeah, so, for the landlords that are listening? Uh, yeah, so I'm with, but so again, it's, it's primary residence where you, you have a rental suite in your own property. Yeah. In my case, basement suite. I went with um, uh, Hub International. So that, that's who I'm with now. Yeah. So yeah, I'm trying to remember. I talked to a few different gals there. Carrie is her first name. I can't remember her last name right now. But uh, <laughs> if someone wants to message me on, on Facebook, where I, I'll let me know. I'll, I'll certainly answer those questions. But you, you got to shop around. Um, you know, you know, taxes, and, and I've been, I've said this a lot, especially at least in Cal Calgary's position, our taxes are relatively compared to you guys up in Edmonton, Wayne, we're a little bit less. You guys have really high taxes, mm -hmm. but our taxes are, are going to probably catch up to you pretty soon. We know we went with a downtown vacancy rate of what, 25 or 30% for three tax periods now, three years. So now they've got to find that money somewhere. And unfortunately, our city hasn't slowed down their spending or, or tailored back. They tailored back some services, but honestly, they haven't done a lot. It's just, we'll just keep spending and providing the things we want to provide the city, but there's no money to do it with. So it, uh, the taxes are going are gonna to start going up. And mm. so, I mean, I, on my performance when I first got in, I put... Uh, I think I banked a three to seven percent kind of increase year over year, and tried to bake that into my in my formulas. Um, yeah, I mean, you expect things to rise, right? Utilities with with the carbon tax, that wasn't too too bad. It looked a lot worse from what the media made it out to be. I haven't yeah. seen too much of a change, which has been good. Um, book bookkeeping, oh man, I swear by a bookkeeper. I that's a business. You want to know where you're at? It, it, it's one thing kind of have an idea. But when you actually look at the numbers, like, oh, I did okay here, or, ooh, um, something's wrong here. I'm bleeding money. I better dig into this more. You, you need to have that perspective. And, and you need to have those books done timely. I mean, you can't wait to the end of the year to to look and to do your books when you're trying to prep. So so let's say it's, you know, you, you're going through all your taxes here in, in January. You get all your books done. But you need to be making decisions back in November and December because of the new tax implications before the end of your tax year. Should you have bought this upgrade? Should you have done this repair? Should you expense this or that? You can't make those informed decisions if you're running your taxes and doing your books in January and February. Mm -hmm. It puts you in such a it puts you in a challenging position. So I mean, if you're a detailed person, you love Excel and you don't mind punching in numbers every month, then you you're probably the right person to do your books. But if it if it's uncomfortable and you don't look forward to doing it. You need a bookkeeper, and that's me. It's, I, I'm not a, I'm not that person at all, and um, that was probably a huge saving grace early on, having the right bookkeeper in place. And for the real estate investor, everyone's like, "Oh, 25 bucks a month." Yeah, the property doesn't really support that. You know what? It's only one or two properties, not a big deal. Three properties, four properties, five properties, six properties, and you're a really ambitious investor. Then you get around, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Now I'm taking up three days a month trying to catch up on receipts or you're worse. You wait till December, January, February, and then yeah. you spend two to three weeks trying to find old emails and receipts. And you think you had it all organized. And yeah. by the way, Gabby, if you're listening, we should really be looking at our uh, tax prep. <laughs> 
every year, every year, because we're so ambitious. We want to get that next property. We want to do this. And then you kind of push it off to the side, push it off to the side. And then, oh man, it's the worst. And and you know what? A little money up front for a good bookkeeper will save you Mm -hmm. tons on the back end with with your accounting fees. Your accounting fees are a lot more than bookkeeping. Um, And yeah, like, yeah, I I, I just can't say enough. We, We had a conversation about this too, is, is knowing where your business is at and, you know what, my, my, actually my first bookkeeper, I'm on my second one now, and, and she is uh, a guy, she's phenomenal. Her name's Diana, she's out of Calgary here. And just super organized, she's on me to keep my stuff in on a monthly, on a timely basis. But my first bookkeeper charged me a setup fee, I think it was 250 bucks. Uh, I talked to her for the first three months and she slowly kind of went MIA. And then uh, like six months in, I had no bookkeeper. She wasn't answering my calls or emails. Uh, and my books were a mess. So, I mean, if you can find the right bookkeeper up front, you'll save yourself some trouble, but um, it, it, it does some, definitely something that makes the business easier. I mean, if it's, don't, don't do something that you're not good at really when it comes down to it. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about it. It's just, it's simple. And it, it will save you money with your accounting fees and it will pay for itself. You said business. Is real estate investing a business? I would say so. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? And this comes back to, to the solve stories, right? So if you're, if you're doing everything and I would highly recommend if you're getting our, you are going to get into this business, be the landlord, do the tenant screen, do all these different facets of the business. So you get a feeling of how it is to do these tasks. And then when you realize what you don't like, then outsource them. But then you already have the understanding of how to do that task. Then you know, when you're looking for someone to do it of what to expect. And you know what? You don't know bookkeeping. You don't know what to expect. Talk to three or four bookkeepers having multiple conversations about the same subject, you're going to see commonalities in those conversations and you'll get an idea of what to look for, but you won't know if you talk to one person, if they're good or not, if you don't know, if you don't know that fast of the business, but yeah, absolutely. It's a business. And um, I've gotten a lot of sob stories. Definitely. Um, you'll get people coming in and especially with my, some of my products, they're very much entry level. Um, and I look at, and, and the same thing about your guys' podcast, you know, you and Gabby, which I think is super cool by the way, the power couple you guys got set up and you're doing it for your, your daughter. It's just, I look at that and say, if someone comes in, I've met them for 10 minutes and they've given me that they've, you know, they've got this or that. I mean, they're dealing with cancer or whatever else they've lost employment. I don't know. They'll, they'll pull in your heartstrings. They're going to make you really question yourself. I look at them like, okay, I just met Jane Smith off the street. I've got my wife at home, Kayla. I've got bone and Jack and I need this property to succeed to put them through school, to not lose my current cash flow so I can put them in hockey this fall or wherever it might be. And I always have that thought process in my head and then it becomes very easy to run it like a business. But if you get yourself wrapped up in someone's story, um, it, you, you can't be a charity in this business else you won't be around long. You'll, you'll wreck your personal finances. You'll go into bankruptcies. It, just, it won't be a pretty picture. There's no shortage of those sob stories either. And, and that's not to... It's not to be in our, it's just the truth is that um, you're going to get a ton of people reaching out to you with different stories and, and with every single vacancy you have, um, because they're just spamming everyone. And some of them are legit, some of them aren't. And yeah, okay. you're right. You want to do the right thing and you want to help someone out of a situation. We're currently evicting someone. Um, well, the, the eviction order has already been done. They're leaving on the 31st. They leave tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow. And I, the whole time, Gabby's like, don't do it, Wayne. I don't know why you're doing it. I'm like, I met and met him. I trust him. I I, I honestly, he's been, he's been served a bad hand and I'm willing to go out of my way for him. And sure enough, it didn't work out. 
no it yeah. didn't it didn't get hostile or anything you know um we we gave them payment plans we tried to work it out and then eventually we just said you know what we're going to go to the rtdrs and we got the eviction order and everything's good i, I uh, hoping that the walkout inspection just goes good tomorrow too or the day after yeah but it's very easy and i see so many amateur landlords on different facebook pages um you know your page other um pages in edmonton and calgary you know tried to help them out i did them a solid and this is how they treat me some you have to treat it like a business yeah and, and i'm not saying don't be compassionate absolutely you're, you're providing a home if you've got someone that's been in your property for one or two years they've been paying the bills on time and then something happens i absolutely would work with that for sure i would see if there's somewhere to make it work to, to a certain extent because at the end of the day i mean it's your family or their family i mean who are you going to look after first and that's what all this investing all this stuff is done and we, we do it you know i i didn't say hey Back in 2016, I reached that port. I'm like, you know what? I want to be a landlord. That's that's my goal. Did not do it. My thought process is like, I'll get some rental properties. I'll get some passive cash flow, you know, passive, and I will then take my family on vacations. I will build, take, let my kids go play sports and be there. And maybe I don't have to go to work. I can be around my kids full time. That would, that's that's my ideal picture. But it was never like I want to be a landlord. I don't think anyone ever gets in this business. Me like, you know, landlord's what I want to be. I don't, the thought process is not like that. Landlord is one portion of your business. Landlording is property management. You know, like yeah. if you were to buy a business, you're going to buy Tim Hortons. You would have your handyman who come and fix the coffee machines. You have your staff who take care of the tenants every day. You have, you have, you have cleaners. You have like, you know what I mean? You have, you have, you have a bookkeeper, you have an accountant and you just yeah. go in with your investments and you set up a good team and they run it all for you and a good cash flowing business means yeah. that you can pay everybody every month right that is a good business and you can weather the storms right and, and you know you, you know you don't know what you don't know and I, I i say that a lot because no one's got a crystal ball that can predict the future you, you can look at historical numbers and um you can see how low rents have got me in the last seven years and then and then build your business around that low point and maybe yeah. even put like a 10 percent lower than that and then you know what you're covering for 9% of the stuff out there, but you can't cover for a hundred percent, but at least you are in a position of strength where you can, you can act in the future, right? And going back to, you know, great, creating that biggest amount of cash flow. If you're looking at purchasing the property, right? Stretch out the mortgage. You can pay it down as you want once you've got your reserve fund built up. But if you, if you only have a little bit, maybe do a four or $6,000 reserve fund, but make sure you're cash flowing, you know, three, $500 a month, whatever, to get that cash flow up to eight to 10 grand or wherever you think it should be for that property. You know, mm -hmm. that's another way to do it. You, you have a window of exposure, but then you're still minimizing it because you have an exit plan or strategy to get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for the accidental landlords, obviously, um, it, if you bought it for 5% down and you're amortized over 25 years, it's very, very unlikely in either of our markets that you're going to make it work as a cash flow. It's just mathematics. So, yeah. you know, what you can look at and maybe at the end of your mortgage term, see how much equity you have in the property. You might be able to refinance it um, if you've got at least 20% equity and then you can re-amortize over 30 years. That's a great tip for lowering your mortgage payments. Um, and then look at shopping around in your utilities, that kind of stuff. I mean, other than that, um, that's about all you can do really. Yeah. Right? And, and then, and then you're getting into the, to the marketing side, the tents. I mean, I can get into some tips on how to like to separate yourself from the pack, right? To be your competitive advantage um, for the business. So what I do as a landlord is I have Google reviews. 
So there's my pro tip out there is I went and created a Google account. Uh, I took my Google account, created a Google listing. They will send you a postcard in the mail. It takes like two weeks because it comes down from California. They give you a little confirmation number and then boom, you have a listing on Google. And every time I've had tenants come out, I ask them for Google reviews. And so I've been doing that now. I've got, I don't know, a half dozen, maybe a dozen now. Um, and then I put my five-star review on, on my on my rental ad. So then it makes me look like a different landlord that cares because I can say, you know, don't just take my word for it. Here's my five, here's my Google reviews that are at five stars right now. And you can read all my different, my all my all my past tense and they can see a track record of other people. And, and that builds them some trust and comfort. Um, there is, um, actually, this is one of the the service providers we're currently trying to get some discounts for our group but there's a landlord credit bureau out there um and they give you the ability to report your monthly tenant payment habits to the credit bureau to ecofax really? so if the tenant pays on time they build a credit score if they don't pay or they they, they mess around or they have some ill intent their credit score will get hurt you can actually report that and actually affect their credit score so when wow. I, I advertise and say hey if you come rent for me and you're going to pay your bills on time, you'll get a better credit score. Why not get credit for paying for rent? It's one of your biggest bills per month. And that's a great test for them because if they say no, well, I don't want you affecting my credit score, then you say, okay, so you weren't planning on paying rent on time? Exactly. So that's part <laughs> Why of my- is it a problem unless you tell me you're going to pay rent on time? So there's a form, it's called a notice, notice the tenant. They, they've, they've switched their process. They don't really need that form anymore but I still use it and here's why. So this form is an, it's called a notice of tenant and basically the tenant is signed to give them, give you permission to, to report their credit score. If they're not willing to sign that form, it's part of my, pre, uh, my pre-screening. That, like, I only look at this form as it's a win-win. If they, if they block or don't sign that form for any reason, I don't rent them. I move on, that's a red flag. There's no reason why they would not want to sign something to build their credit score unless they are looking to move in as a professional tenant and, and have some ill intent and not pay rent towards you. That is a professional tenant? Yeah. Can you uh, explain what that is? Great question. So, so, and so professional tenant is, is someone as a tenant who does know the system, knows it very well, and is actually targeting landlords that don't know it. And they can find that through conversations, through how the, the, the ad is built and listed, the, the text in there. And they're looking to play the system to get free rent. And if yeah. you get that, and especially if you're not in a strong position, it could, it could simply break you and put that property into foreclosure, like hands down. And on that note, Wayne, I'm glad you brought that up. I think people say, oh, there's a lot of bad tenants out there. And I, there, there really isn't, you know, for sure, there's bad apples in every group. I'm not, yeah. not going to argue. I'm not going to um, uh, take that away or say no to that. But I think they're the they're the they're the vast minority, maybe five, ten percent, not even ten percent, less mm-hmm. than that, right? But they are professional tenants that will target certain landlords if they don't come across professionally. If their ads isn't set up a certain way, you know, you want to have we do credit and background checks. We expect you know first month's rent and damage shop paid before possession. All these things you should be putting in your ad because you don't want to deal with people that can't meet these standards. But if you don't come across that way, you might get more calls from professional or the bad apples out there because they're actually targeting you. But yeah. generally speaking, you know, they're going to target private landlords, not big um, the REITs or the property management companies. They won't be going after them. They're going after people who have gotten in the business and maybe haven't figured it out yet. And they're yeah. trying to rent out a property. Yeah. Um, 
I want to get back into what you're talking about before, but also uh, Dan has been waiting quite a while here. Um, and, and what are your thoughts on property management like Hope Street? I don't think we should necessarily speak on, you know, what we think about a specific property management company, but uh, what are your thoughts on property management companies in general? Yeah, for sure. You know what? Um, I think if you're in a position to learn the business, do it first, be a landlord for a little bit. So you, you know how much work is, and you know what you like and you don't like. And hiring a property management company isn't black and white. It's not like they just come up and there's one package, you sign up and they do everything for you. You can piecemeal some of the business away if you don't like doing certain things. You know, maybe you want to screen your tenants because it's really important and you get the right tenant in place. And then you hand it off to someone else to manage the property while you're traveling for the next six months. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, yeah, I can't comment personally on Hope Street, but I would say have a bunch of different conversations because the pricing and their, and their the pricing and, and the features or the services they're going to offer are actually all going to be different. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a good conversation to have out there. Uh, if you're based, Hope Street's based in Calgary. I actually don't know. Do you have Hope Street up in Edmonton as well? I've heard their commercials on the radio, but so, yeah, I don't know anything be. more than that. Yeah, they must be in Edmonton as well then. Yeah, you, you want to ask around, get, get personal referrals. You got to have multiple conversations. You can't just, and, and with, I think, giving the management to a property, like giving your own property to a property management company to look after is a big decision. Mm -hmm. um, you you got to have, I'd say, like at least five conversations. Get it out there because you're going to learn really quickly. Someone's really good is on top of it. Another question to ask is how many... Uh, how many property managers are in a company? Let's say it's a company of three property managers. How many doors are each manager looking after? Yeah. If someone's got over 100 doors, that's a lot, or even 70 or 80. You know, I, I, I've, from what I've seen, like, again, I manage all my own properties, but the ones I've heard good feedback on are around the 35 to 45 door range. That seems to be reasonable for one person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe they've got some good system. They have agents that they, they outsource you know, lease signed with an agent or, or they do maintenance calls or, or inspections, someone else, they have like a specific person that does that, then they might have more time to do a little bit more units. You got to understand how processes, I guess having systems in place is huge. If they've got, if they're organized, they have systems to manage all the different aspects of being a property management company, then you know they're organized and they can handle your property. If they don't have, if you start asking a bunch of questions, how do you handle, how do you, how do you handle maintenance calls? Do you do it yourself? Do you have a person that goes and does it? Do you have... Um, a, a contractor list, how many people do they have on the contractor list? Um, all these little nuances will make the difference in how easy it is to manage a property. If they don't have this stuff in place, then you can kind of foreshadow it. You know, they may not be very good at what they do. Mm -hmm. um, I will point out that just be careful with the reviews that you read online about property management companies. I've always kind of felt sorry for property management companies because I know that they, like you said, they have really good systems in place. And when something happens, it's an action. They don't think about it. You know what I mean? Like this happens, you hand them this, you know, this goes like this, you go to and call this person. And because mm -hmm. of that, going back to our conversation about tenants not being educated, a lot of tenants get, I don't want to say burned, but a lot of tenants hate property management companies because they're not lenient. They're not lenient like the private landlord they had before who was okay with things or yeah. they were okay with building a fire pit or something like that. You know what I mean? All the, that landlord, let me, these guys are a-holes because they sent me this notice when I was late by one day, they put a notice on my door. Well, that's the routine. So yeah. um, I feel like property management companies get a, a lot of flack for that. Uh, and, and it's just, they're just doing their job. 
So, right? so maybe so, sure you get reviews from a from a owner or or a, a landlord as opposed to a tenant review. There's exactly. two different sides of the picture. That's a great point you bring up, Wayne. Yeah, um, we are both dads, and and I'd say about half an hour ago we were talking about that as well. And and I yeah. and I wanted to touch on that before we end. Um, the real estate investor dad podcast is not necessarily just about real estate investor dads. It's just it's about the it's about it's about time and it's about priorities and and building something for yourself and some people are dads some people are moms some people are employees everybody's got responsibilities and it's all about finding the time to build something for yourself outside of those responsibilities uh in your life um so i'm assuming your story is that you know you're an employee you got a business um you know you got a family how do you how do you manage being an investor and a dad and uh, Oh, and, and that's a tough question. It's such a, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah. So, I mean, my, my life right now revolves around, I got a day job. I still work at Telus, uh, great company. I worked with really good people there. I'm not, I'm gonna, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I'm not too um, in love with the work I do on a daily basis, but I'm with really good people. Plus it provides yeah. for the family. And I've got benefits. So maybe at some point, if, uh, if things keep going the way we are, I might be able to offload that responsibly, but today that's, that's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. um my wife runs a food truck up in central alberta so she has a food truck with her mom and her grandma so they're called the three pink flamingos they do pierogies you can see them at the farmer's market you can see them at microbreweries everywhere and then recently she just picked up a, a part-time job as a barroom uh what is it called basically she's a bartender at a microbrewery but they, they have a fancy title for it and i'm yeah. totally blowing it right now but you know it's actually what i've been <laughs> sipping on during our, our, our sunday call here is is some beer from danny brewery i, I love, oh, I love here i am drinking coffee i didn't know it's that kind of interview yeah well i snuck in you didn't say anything about it. all right people keep making comments that i keep like on zoom calls and on interviews i keep drinking beer and i'm like i'm not an alcoholic i just only drink when i'm on zoom <laughs> yeah exactly zoom's like eight hours a day for some reason literally um yeah time management is so tough and, and, and you know what that that has gotten to me but i man i cannot emphasize this part of my, enough is is you're doing this investing for your family it can't consume your life and i heard mm -hmm. don campbell say that on his stage um and, and that's probably where i ran into some problems in, in other um ventures i had in the past where that wasn't the fit um you know and you know what that's fine some folks want to build an empire and and they will they'll be successful to do it it's just not the way i wanted to go about it and i've always have made time for my family uh, and my wife will let me know when i slip sometimes because again it's, it's always a bug, uh, juggling and balancing act right with, with, mm -hmm. with kids and stuff but i mean everything we do here is around for me having having those kids have a, a great future having fun spending time and then you want to have some some fun as well, right? So, um, man, I totally sidestepped your question. So, what was the question again? It's about uh, <laughs> how, how, how do you manage it? it? It's not an easy. I don't think anyone's ever really given me a solid, like, firm answer because it's not a very easy yeah. question to answer. And how do you, how do you manage it? How do you how do you how do you be a good dad, a good husband, a good investor, a good business owner? Yeah, I I, I, I put it this way. Learn to say no and be true, know your priorities and, and, and be true to them. And that's taken me years, years to figure out. I'm, I'm 35 now. And um, yeah, that, that's been my, that, and you know what, maybe things have started coming together now where we're at with the Alberta Landlording Group and, and all that. But that, I've had to 
I've been asked to walk away from some 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 uh, some opportunities, and then I've said no to other ones, where they don't they don't drive. I can't have something chewing up a bunch of my time where I'm working to 10, 11 every night. I'm going to be tired, and I got a day job, and I'm not around for my kids. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I say no to things like that, right? So, you know, I, when you're true, when you figure out what you want, what you really really want, and you are truthful to those priorities, it makes a lot easier to say no to opportunities that you think might be opportunities, but maybe in the long run, they don't fit with how the lifestyle you're trying to live. That's awesome, man. Um, I think that's a terrific answer, but I got to ask one more question. Do you know, do you have any routines in place that kind of help keep you on track with that? Um, it might just be like a morning routine. Like for me, I wake up every morning and, and with my daughter and we, I, I just spend 10 minutes. She watches TV. I drink yeah. coffee, but at least I'm beside her. She knows I'm there every morning. Yeah. And yeah. That's um, consistency. Oh uh, man. I, I try to I, learning. You can't stop learning. Right. So mm-hmm. your, your podcast, I've listened to a few of my, I listened to the uh, Tony Sierra, Brenda, Brenda Brestel comments and a few of your your smaller five to seven minute rant ones. I kind of enjoyed those too. Um, so you know, listening to the podcast, um, I I've, I've picked commitments I stick to. So we do a live show every Wednesday at, at seven o'clock on on the Alberta Landlord Group, um, and I always um, bring different landlords on to, to, to learn from them, experience and not experience. Right? I've learned stuff from from landlords who are just new to the game because they come in with open eyes and they do something a lot different than I would never have thought. Um, do I, you know, I'm, I'm very much relationship based. That's super important to me. I, I, I value and I put a lot of emphasis on working with really good people. So if someone's got an ask for me, I, I make sure I try to get that done in a timely manner. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I do put that priority. Um, I need to start going to bed at a better time. I'm a night owl and uh, <laughs> it has come to bite me in, uh, a bit. Uh, but I, I, I actually do get up first with the kids as well. I typically get up with the, the little guy. So Jack, he goes and hangs out in the room. I do have a coffee and kind of just chill. I make time every day to do something silly with my kids, to laugh and chase them around. We, uh, we have a trampoline out back with the nets. And then my uh, uh, Bowen for his birthday got 100 of those little plastic balls from, I don't know, like the ball pits. Mm-hmm. So we have them out there. So we play different games. We throw balls at each other's heads. We chase them around. We tackle. And it's just, uh, it's cool, man. And, and it's, um, it may seem like a bothersome to start doing, but once you get in the moment playing with your kids, it is so much fun. And that's, that's, that's the shit that they remember, man. Yeah. Is the time on the trampoline with the hundred plastic balls. Yeah. Throwing them at each other and, and tackling. And so, so I guess my thing is, you know, uh, to a routine is, I don't, I, I'm not very good at setting times. I'm going to do this or that other than this live show I do every Wednesday <laughs> beyond that and working nine to five. Um, I don't have really good time commitments to certain things, but I make time for the things that are important. So the kids, I, ha- I have to, cause if I don't do that and you know, every once in a while I'll, I'll get into a bit of routine. You know, okay. will help me out. Like, Hey, you know, you haven't hung out time. You haven't done this. I might go two to three days. Like, Oh yeah, course correct here. Cause I can't say I'm perfect and by, by no means I am, but like to stay doing the routines or, you know, committing to, to spend time with your kids, I'll get it every once in a while, I'll get focused on something and mm-hmm. get like tunnel vision and like, and it's great to get things done, but then I, I don't want to do it at the cost of, of family life. And so then sometimes I have to course correct and realize, oh, you know, I've done it too much and, and go back and, you know, spend more time with the family. And remember why you're doing it in the first place, right? It's for your family. That's yeah. why you're doing all this. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
thank you so much, Mackenzie, for everything you've shared uh, today. Um, before we wind down or wind up, round, before we end, <laughs> before we wrap it up today on a lovely Sunday, wrap it up. Wow, I can't talk. Um, I want to go over uh, the places where they can find you. Obviously, you got a YouTube channel, you got that Facebook group. Um, yeah. Do you mind sharing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I, I'm easy. My email right now, which will be for a while. Well, okay. Right now it's McKenzie at findgreattents.com. Also findgreattents.com is the YouTube channel. Uh, at some point in the future, I'm going to pair it all nicely together with the Alberta landlord group.ca. If you're on Facebook, the group is called Alberta landlords and rental property owners. Um, we really are a community first approach. Um, everything we do is around that thing. We have great involvement. We're getting, like I said, we get between 10 and 20 posts a day with questions out there and it's everything to do with landlording. Um, so get on there. If you need to figure a part of the business out, ask questions. We've got three gentlemen that are in the group that do evictions. They're great with sharing information. Um, we've got experienced landlords like the Shelly Vistras out there, the Andrea Workinson's. Um, we've got just a really good dialogue out there and, and we really, really put a focus on helping people. That's the whole point of this group was just to help people out. If you help enough people, you'll have opportunities in the, in the future to, to make something out of it, but you got to help people first. And, um, that, that's really it. That's, uh, yeah. Every uh, Wednesday you got the Alberta landlord shop talk as well. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for yeah, yeah, chiming in there, Wayne. Yeah. So every Wednesday, seven o'clock, we do a live, um, as Wayne likes to say, we try to keep to an hour. Typically it varies a bit, but, uh, we usually bring on one or two guest landlords. We take the last seven days of questions from the group and we use them as content to answer them. So we're always providing timely content to the questions out there. And, um, and we take live questions as well. So if you're in there and you're kind of in a pickle, uh, an eviction, you got a tough tenant relationship problem. You need to figure out how do you approach a tenant, uh, anything and everything, um, even down to like repairs and stuff, like, you know, maybe keeping the same color paint pattern through all your property. So it's streamlined for your repair process. Pro tips, pro tons tips of pro tips. Color. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Mackenzie. If anyone is uh, looking to reach out to me as well, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Instagram, it's uh, real estate investor, dad, Facebook, uh, obviously Wayne Hillier. Um, as well, if you're, if you could, I hate begging, but reviews and ratings are so incredibly important on iTunes that for helps. making really sure that it, the for the reach, yeah. um, there's, there's, we're not making any money on this. So, uh, if you can go there and rate and review the real estate investor dad podcast, that would be amazing. I'd be extremely grateful. Mackenzie. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. It's, a, it's a Corona V Corona free high five. If you can give the guy a review, help us out. It gets the content out to more people like yourself that need it. And it really helps us and it makes it worth the time to do it. And we love doing this. I love helping on. Thank you Wayne, for having me. Oh, thank you. Have a good one.